Hi, and welcome to Kindy Week in Review, your look at all that's news in the world of kids, music, and beyond. I'm your host, Stefan Shepard, and in lieu of running you through the kids' music news and charts over the past week or so when I've been on vacation, I thought I would play for you an interview I did back in November with kids musician Anne Taralba. You may know her as Little Miss Anne, and I had talked with her for my Bake Sale podcast a while back, and she suggested that we do an actual interview. So she posted this on her SoundCloud page a couple months ago, but I thought it would be fun for you to listen to somebody interview me. So with that, I am just going to play this. I'll be back next week with Kids News and Charts. As always, if you have questions, send me an email, zooglobal at earthlink.net. If you listen via iTunes, please rate and review if it so moves you. And talk to you next week. Here's the interview. Record. Good morning. This is Little Miss Ann from Chicago, Illinois. And I'm here today with Stephen Shepard, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And he is a well-known uh children's music reviewer with the website zooglobal.com. Good morning, Stefan. Good morning, Anne. How are you doing? I'm fine. Um, we talked, Stefan and I talked uh, about a month ago when he interviewed me for Big Sale. And uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about Big Sale and what, what you're doing with Big Sale. Sure. Thanks. And thanks for uh, asking me to talk with you. Um, so you know, I have my main site, zooglobal.com, which is much more kids' music-focused, you know, interviews, reviews, uh, videos, stuff like that. But with Bake Sale, uh, I, I guess my purpose was sort of twofold. One was I wanted to spend more time talking about Kickstarter projects and other crowdfunding projects. Um, so, you know, as you are well aware, <laughs> uh, Kickstarter is uh, a crowdfunding platform, probably the, the best known crowdfunding platform for soliciting uh, donations and uh, contributions from fans and various folks in the community to um, help artists and other creative folks um, fund their creative projects. And so I, I noticed that there were a number of kids musicians starting to use Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thought, as well as there were other projects that were sort of kid-focused, and um, there wasn't really anything that was trying to direct attention to these projects. There is a children's book section uh -huh. within the books portion of Kickstarter, but there is no children's music, kids music, kindy section on the music portion of Kickstarter, which is something I've tried to get Kickstarter yeah. to to change, and I've not yet been successful, but I'm still working on that. But So I thought it was a way to highlight uh, those sorts of projects. I was also interested in trying to do more work in, in podcasting. And you know, I have, uh, I guess now, three different podcasts. But the, f the first one I had was just me talking by myself. And okay. I, I, I find it more interesting. While I enjoy that, I think the more interesting podcasts are the ones that feature conversations between people. And so that was, that was my other sort of 
secondary goal with the podcast to to talk to kindy folk about uh, kids music and i should say that the 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 podcast the show is not specifically kids music related um it's just in part (laughs) there have been so many kids music kickstarters recently that for the most part it has been kids music focused yeah i noticed you did the the little guitar the little electric um is it lug lug yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, I guess it isn't specifically kid CDs, but kid oriented, would you say? Like yeah, fa- family friendly oh. projects. And, you know, it's not just Kickstarter, but uh, Kickstarter is sort of the, I don't know if they're the 800 pound gorilla, but they're certainly like three or 400 pounds. I mean, they, I think, by far have the most um, well known presence. The biggest projects tend to go through Kickstarter. Um, but uh, I, it's not it's not just kids music. It's not just ki- Kickstarter. But certainly those have been the two um, primary sources of of uh, what I've focused on thus far. So um, you know, I read a little bit about you, and I I saw how you got your, got started. Um, I don't know if you remember when we talked that I I had mentioned that no one really grows up dreaming of being a kid's musician. They don't. And no one probably grows up dreaming of being a kid's music reviewer. So I saw (laughs) that you started um, writing uh, for your wife's parenting newsletter in 2002, and then it wasn't until 2004 that you started posting them to the Internet. And I wanted to listen to, from your perspective, like what happened in those two years, like, what was going on in your mind when you were writing those reviews? Um, you know, it's a little bit of excitement that happens within those two years that makes you go public. So I, I'd like to hear about your thoughts on that. Sure. So, you know, we became parents and uh, yeah. in 2001. And uh, my wife was in a parenting group at the time and she was on the newsletter committee. And she, as as spouses often do, one spouse volunteers the other for something, and she volunteered me to write uh, a music review column for the uh, newsletter that the parenting group put out. Um, that, despite the fact that I had never written a music review in my life, but we had, okay. you know, at the time, maybe we had eight or ten kids' music CDs, and, you know, I've obviously been a big music fan all my life, and so she thought, that would be something I could do. So I, you know, I, I did that. It was, it was interesting, you know, at, at the time there, you know, this was 2001, 2002, 2003, there were some kids musicians and, you know, clearly Dan Zanes and Justin Roberts and Laurie Berkner mm-hmm. all had put out, you know, a couple albums, you know, three out, al- you know, they certainly didn't have the back catalog they have now, but they had started to release some music. So there was there was some music out there. Um, and, you know, I did maybe one or two a month or one a month. And I think I did that for maybe a couple years. And then in 2004, I, I actually had a baseball blog mm-hmm. that talked about the Arizona Diamondbacks. And yeah. uh, I forget when I had started that. But uh, 2004 was not my first year doing that. That was my second or even third season working on that. And I just thought, well, you know, I've got all this material 
for kids music, I could start a kids music blog as well. And so I started in 2004. Um, I didn't really get going until probably late 2005, early 2006, when I basically decided to stop my baseball blog because I was getting bored with it and tired of the sort of feeling of deadlines. You know, baseball is a daily sport and you know, a game happens every night usually and you have to sort of say, oh, well, what am I going to say about last night's game? And it was sort of hard to I was getting tired of the, the rhythm and I wasn't able to spend three hours every night watching a game or doing that. So um, I started but what happened that you chose uh, kids music over baseball. So, <laughs> yeah, well, no, and, <laughs> well, thank you. I uh, and I found that <laughs> in terms of I, I so one of the reasons I just went public was because I had material and decided to try to use <laughs> use it in some way. But I think the other thing I, I saw was, you know, in 2004, 2005, um, there wasn't much coverage on the internet, and then you know the coverage you would get in um, magazines tended to be very short paragraphs, and you could not, as a parent, get a good sense of comparative quality. Meaning, yes. <laughs> um, you might get you know three little paragraphs in a parenting magazine, and they would be fifty words. And it sounded like everything was uniformly awesome. And I just thought, well, there's probably, and this is just my own mind, like, well, what I would really like to know if some, is if something is awesome or something pretty good or something is okay. okay and, yeah. and, you know, maybe, you know, different people have different tastes. And, and I totally get that and totally respect that. And something that I might love, you know, other people, including, say, my wife, you know, yeah. I go, uh, yeah, no, I didn't like that at all. But um, I at least thought that there was some room for more detailed coverage and coverage which tried to at least say, this is pretty good, and if you liked X, you'll like Y, and this is awesome, and I think everybody should go get this. Because obviously if you're a parent, you know, it's not like you can buy – 60 kids CDs a year, you know, maybe you're buying a dozen. Yeah. And so it doesn't help if quality, you so you want to make sure the things you buy is quality. Yeah. Now also I saw that you also saw a void for uh kids music well venues or shows and that I think you have been involved in stirring that up or you were involved and you mentioned um some I saw quote something about an auto like even if you have it at like auto mechanic, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Which one I'm talking about? I, you know, I, I, I think there, yeah. So one thing I, I do do right now is I, I book a, a, a relatively small series. I mean, it's grown slightly over the years, uh, at the children's museum of Phoenix, but you know, I've also booked a couple gigs at a local art gallery. You know, I, there, a church I was a member of a few years back tried to have a, a a secular kids music series and so i think it's important to have venues to try that out um you know obviously as as a non-musician you know it's not like i can say i'm willing to start a kids music series and to do that i'm willing to spend my own time and play for free at you know my brother the auto mechanic 
yeah, yeah. I, you know, his his shop or, you know, or or go to a library and say, I'm willing to play for free. And obviously musicians um, have to make their own decisions about what they're willing to pay for and uh, play for and whether or not they're willing to take uh, they want to take uh, money to do that. Um, so I, because I feel like I'm sort of pushing a string, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I don't feel like I can ask um, musicians to play for free. I also, Phoenix does not have a strong, it's, it has a very weak local kids music scene. And mm-hmm. so I'm also reliant on basically people, folks from out of town. And so, I mean, that it, it would be one thing if I were able to say to somebody, hey, you know, I want to put on a kids music festival and, you know, I'm willing, I can pay you 50 bucks or I'd like you to do yeah. it for free or something like that. Um, you know, if there are a whole bunch of folks local and they were able to say, ah, you know, I can play for 25 minutes. I'm willing to do that for 50 bucks or something like that. That would be one thing. But if I Where have to get this? everybody from Los Angeles or, or, uh, places east to come in i i can't say can you come in and play for 50 bucks i have to find somebody who's willing to pay more money to do that yeah i mean especially since you've probably got to gotten to know a lot of musicians and you know where musicians are coming from um you're kind of a champion for children's music musicians um so i can see where you're coming from uh where is the strangest venue that you've ever seen a kids musician strangest venue that i've ever seen a kids music show oh. or not strangest but unique i'll say unique <clears throat> well i do like i mean there are some venues that i really like uh you know the getty museum out in los angeles is the you know beautiful setting on top of a hill that overlooks los angeles and overlooks bel-air and you know um, it's it's a billion you know i don't know if it's a billion dollar museum but it's they spent a lot of money and so that's a beautiful setting they do like a three weekend kids series every year in the summer and that's a beautiful location um you know i always find it interesting to see shows in places that aren't necessarily designed with kids in mind Mm -hmm. um you know i you know as you you attended Kindy Fest as I did, and Brooklyn Academy of Music, you know, probably is the most tradition is definitely the most traditional as opposed to the places where they used to have it, which were much more uh, bars, you know, That's designed for adults. Littlefield and uh, it was Littlefield and Jalopy. Um, I think it was yes, Jalopy. Love that place. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jalopy was great, um, and so I mean the the one place where we had. Uh, I booked a couple shows where um, uh, Recess Monkey played once, and um, uh, the Terrible Twos, Matt Matt Pryor's um, band, the play, local place called Modified Arts here, which is essentially sort of a um, a local nightclub club slash um, art <laughs> uh, facility, meaning uh, uh, they display artwork. And so, I mean, that was definitely weird and uh, weird is not the right word. Definitely non-traditional. And I think Mm -hmm. part of the issue there is those are cool places, you know, interesting places that kids might not normally get to go be in. Um, But you also have to deal with all the sort of uh, normal parental issues of 
have you seen the toilet? The toilet is awful. Or, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, or the, there is no, there's no diaper changing table in the bathroom. I mean, yeah. those sorts of things that you have to deal with that, um, you know, some parents are that's totally funny. flexible and that's actually a, a good thing. And for other parents, that's like, yeah, no, I'm never doing that ever again. Yeah. We have a place, and I'm sure you've heard of the place called the Bee, Bee Kitchen. Yeah. It's, a, it's a wonderful music series, and it's in a bar. And when my daughter and her friends, they grew up coming to the Bee Kitchen, and when they started to read, it was actually not a good thing. <laughs> the bathrooms, uh, they have some interesting language in there. But everyone was pretty flexible and, and thought it was funny, and no one was too uptight about it. Maybe because the Bee Kitchen does have some really good Bloody Marys there, so... <laughs> But anyway, um, back to, uh, you know, I, I kind of glossed over Zoo Label. Um, uh, when my daughter was young and I was driving in the car and I think I was listening to, and you can clarify this for me, either Really Rosie or Free to Be You and Me. And I like was like, oh, that's where he got the name. And I couldn't really tell anyone because no one really would understand. <laughs> where, where's the name from, Zoo Label? Oh, it, it's actually from from neither of those two. It is from, oh, okay. but it, it's from a Sandra Boynton CD. Okay, that okay, yes. Um, yeah, so which uh, you know, same uh, sort of uh, not genre, so to speak. Um, there's a Sandra Boynton, the greeting card illustrator, um, but also she also writes songs, and so she's released now five CDs, maybe, and she okay. doesn't sing them. She recruits. Uh, famous people to sing them uh, and she wrote a song and I don't remember the album but it, the song was called Nobody Understands Me and uh, the song on record was sung by Meryl Streep and okay. the basic concept was you know the song narrator sings Nobody Understands Me and she seems to be complaining and then as she goes on she starts using all these totally made up words which it becomes very clear to the listener why nobody understands her. And yes. one of the words she uses is zooglobal. And okay, so, I remember that now. I'm a, I'm a big library nerd, and I, take out, I still take out CDs from the library, and that's I remember the cover and everything now. But I was so excited, and I couldn't really tell anyone because <laughs> I didn't really appreciate it. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, uh, you know, I didn't really mention also – how Zuglabel since 2004 uh, in 2006 went on to also um, get picked up by NPR, all things considered. Uh, you're doing like a couple times a year, is that what you're yeah, doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I try to be hopefully like three or four times a year, you know. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it was... Um, it was certainly a surprise. I mean, I, I basically got a an email message from an intern or a producer's production assistant at NPR saying, Melissa Block uh, was is interested in talking to you about kids' music. Would you be interested? <laughs> I, oh, okay, I guess, yeah. Um, and I'm still not entirely sure how they found me, but I think in, in early 2006, there were not... Uh, a lot of there there just weren't many kids music reviewers um yes and certainly you know something happened in 2005 2006 where all of a sudden 
people had the same idea. And so, for example, Bill Child, to spare the rock, spoil the child, he started, I think, in 2004, 2005. And so... Mm -hmm. um, it was, you know, and so he had been doing it for maybe a year or more, but it took a while for people to sort of think, oh, I can write about this online. So I, I, I'm glad they found me. I think part of it was I might have been the only game in town at that point because I, have a, I had a vague recollection that when I looked for stuff in August of 2004 when I was setting up the blog that I could, I could not find anything. Um, and oh, okay. I think it, it had only sort of slowly begun to develop in 2005 and 2006. And so the, the landscape had changed a little bit by the time NPR called, but not enough. And so for a couple years, maybe two to three years, I had conversations with Melissa Block uh, where I would, you know, we'd agree ahead of time what CDs we were going to talk about. And we'd, we'd talk about those. But they were unscripted conversations. Uh, what I do, and then at some point, uh, they decided that they wanted to move into just reviews rather than than conversations. And I think part of that was, uh, you know, Melissa's uh, daughter was just beginning to age out of the kids' music okay. um, uh, age group. That you know. Uh, at, at some, I, Melissa, I think, was interested in talking about it because her own daughter was interested and obsessed with these uh, this type of music. And you know, a couple years later, she was you know more like eight or nine years old and it sort of sort of started to age out of that. So at that point, um, they said, "Well, we'd like you to do some reviews. Why don't you write some scripted reviews?" And so that's what I do now. I, I write up a script. I have some uh, suggested musical uh, bits, um, and typically what happens is, you know, I I talk to my uh, producer, director, contact there, and I say, "Well, um, I think the following CDs." would be worthy of being on the air. Um, I s sort of pitch, here's what my review would be for this, or here's what my review or angle would be for that. And they say, well, why don't we do, why don't we do this one over here? And then I'll go forth and I'll script a, uh, something for it. And so the reviews tend to be, uh, I mean, they're all... Uh, positive reviews, um, you know, kids' music, you know, just isn't big enough to sort of merit uh, a review that is uh, positive and negative. You know, it's not like the Lady yeah. Gaga, yeah. It, yeah. you know, where, you know, they reviewed that this <laughs> week and, and the reviewer was not all that enthusiastic about the disc. You know, they review it because it's the biggest thing in music that week and they, you know, they need to review it from a cultural uh, relevancy standpoint with kids music it's more hey you should listen to this because it's really cool or hey there's this really interesting story behind this album and the music's really good um so that's what, what's a what's a type of kid cd you you wish there's a void of or wish you could see more of is there um, anything in that comes to mind you know i think I wish there were more kids hip hop. You know, Secret okay. Age, Secret Age of 23, 23 Skidoo is great and he's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, I, I'm so glad he's doing that. And there are a handful of other artists, but I sort of feel like, you know, if you want to listen to kids hip hop, 
you could you could listen to Secret Agent 23 Skidoo and you would probably sort of that would probably be enough. And I feel like okay. it's I feel like there should be somebody else where if somebody said, you know, I really like hip hop, um, who should I listen to? And I feel like I should be able to say, well, Secret Agent, Secret Agent 23 Skidoo and somebody else. Um, you know, yes. th there isn't a lot of soul music. You know, you've just yeah. got, you know, I think one well, of the reasons. Shine, shine in the Moonbeams. Yeah, I think one reason everybody loved Shine in the Moonbeams because it was like that was a sound I yeah. had not, you know, people just hadn't heard. And so I think it's all those non pop rock folk niches that, you know, there's certainly some music out there, but. Um, there could be more or there could be people who are doing it more regularly because, you know, there's a lot of jazz CDs out there or there are a handful, but they all tend to be, Hey, we, you know, we released a jazz CD and there mm -hmm. are very few uh, folks who are trying to make more of a career making regularly produced jazz CDs and and you know most of them tend to be sort of fairly standard jazz as opposed to you know one of the great jazz CDs is you know Medeski Martin and Woods let's go everywhere and okay. one reason it's so great is because it's a jazz CD that doesn't necessarily that you can't just say oh that's jazz I, I just wish there were more folks like you know Coltrane Railroad you know who were doing it on a regular basis so you know there's there's really nothing a kid's country you know okay. there, there could be more of that i don't want to i don't want to sort of fill every niche yeah. but i sort of feel like you know there are a lot of great pop rock yeah. folk kids musicians and they're awesome and i love them and that you know if I, there was any one musical that's that's my wheelhouse so i mean i i prefer yeah. that stuff i just you know, wish there were more folks doing other things. I also wish, you know, it's not so much music itself. I wish there were more kids musicians doing things with other entities live. And so, like, I just interviewed Molly Ledford from Lunch Money, and she's doing this space puppet musical. I saw that. And I think, I, I wish that there were more opportunities for musicians to get their music out in slightly non-traditional ways. That's great. Excellent. Um, so, to, to 2013, <laughs> three standout CDs that you think people should have in their playlists. Oh, oh, and I... I... <laughs> Oh, oh. more than three, okay? <laughs> no, 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 no. And that's what's what's hard. I, I I actually need to think, and I've been I've got a couple other projects on my plate, and I I've just been sort of delaying, but I know I need to get to it soon to actually yeah. publish my best of 2013 list. Um, I mean, it's funny that question. You know, when people ask me that, it's you sort of freeze up as a reviewer. It's like, oh my goodness what do I do? How do yeah. I, and, and I know I shouldn't do that because that makes me, I don't want to say that makes me a bad person, but I'm, I'm less <laughs> helpful if I freeze up with questions like that. So let me, well, let me say this. Mind. No pressure. We, right. we let me, let me answer it this way because okay. I know my two favorite of last year were, um, Justin Roberts's album recess, recess. and, uh, 
Key Wild and Mr. Clark's album, okay. uh, which I am totally blanking on the name now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I put Jen's back. Pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you. Okay. Um, those were um, my two favorite albums from the past year. Um, uh, there were a bunch of others that, you know, it's sort of like, ah, the Elizabeth Mitchell album and the Recess Monkey album, and, you know, and a, a lot of um, familiar faces and, and sounds. Um, but the two that I, I immediately thought of when I was putting together my ballot for uh, the Fids and Camely Awards, which is this yeah. uh, collection of... Um, kids music reviewers and and radio folks who vote on the their favorite albums of the year my top two were um justin roberts's recess and key wild and mr clark's pleased to meet you okay that's great well then listeners should definitely check those out um but well, I, you know i will say yeah. i mean one of the reasons i uh i helped uh, found fids and camley many years ago is because I do have this feeling that I, I have my own tastes. And as I said, pop and rock and indie rock is sort of right in my wheelhouse. And, you know, there are other people who like other music, other, you know, other radio folks have different audiences, other, uh, everybody, librarians have their own sets of preferences. And so, you know, I tend to sort of believe, you know, there are, you know, 10, 15, 20, however many sh small number of albums that, you know, most people are going to like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think, I think most people would listen to Justin Roberts's recess and say, that's a really good album. And some people are going to love it like I do. And, and others are going to say, yeah, I like that. And, you know, people will be somewhere in the midst of there, but I, you know, I feel like that would be an album that you could recommend to just about any parent. And they would say, I like that. And if they didn't like that, then it, I, they're probably not going to like anything in the, <laughs> quote unquote kids music yeah. genre Where, like a, but a, but beyond that you know and so maybe that's like five percent of the year's music but beyond that you know there is uh, you know 15 percent or 30 percent or you know there are a whole bunch of albums that are released every year that you know somebody one person might say that's fine and somebody else might say i really like that and so the sort of spectrum is a little bit shifted down from justin roberts but mm -hmm. there are a whole bunch of there are you know i'm sure people who would really like this album and even if i didn't really it's like i heard it and go eh that that's fine it's competently produced you know i get what they're going for but it didn't really speak to me somebody else might hear that and so I do try to have this sense of, okay, he, this is just my opinion. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't, don't take it as gospel. If, if I don't review it, that it's awful or not worth your time. It just, you know, it didn't speak to me or I couldn't figure out how to say something interesting about it. Yeah. I had a short lived, uh, blog, so I appreciate what you do. <laughs> it's hard. Um, I and just doing a little writing for Red Tricycle uh, Chicago, and it's it's tough to uh, come up with new things about people and how to say it. And so I I pre again appreciate um, people who write reviews and about music. Um, but uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be seeing you at Kindy Count this year in Philadelphia. 
Um, I really appreciate your time, Stefan. Um, do, you, do you think you might be coming to KindyCon this year? I don't know. I need to evaluate that. You know, I was sad to hear that uh, KindyFest was ending, but, uh, you know, they, uh, had a, they had a good run, and I think they did a lot to bring a lot of folks together. And so I, I don't know yet about uh, Philadelphia, but um, I'm glad that somebody sort of took that banner and is moving forward with it. And so even even if I don't make it this year, I would expect that at some point I will make it to, to a KindyCom. So um, we'll have hey, to wait I and see. Remember, uh, I remember, I think, the second year I heard you talk, and you were mentioning uh, about covers. I thought that was really interesting. My, my husband's a graphic designer, and he did the design for my CDs. But you mentioned about how the cover is just as important as the inside. And I remember that was really just, I think a lot of people at that time, that was really, really great advice. So uh, to end this uh, interview, for a new um, children's musician or kid, kid musician that's just starting out, what, what would be like your, your best piece of advice for that, that person? Huh. Well, let me let, let me first say, I mean, one of the things I did like about, and I think I'll try to tie this into my overall answer. One of the things I like about uh, your covers, for example, I mean, you your covers are um, thematically unified, and they have. I have a I have a decent sense of what I might hear. When I look at your covers, I, I I like your covers. I think they they sort of convey a little Miss Anne-ness, as it were. Um, and Thank I think appreciate it. I call my husband. Um, and so from that perspective, I mean they they look they look like they've been professionally done, and and uh, they look like somebody thought about okay, what do I want to convey about me about my music? And so from that perspective, I think that's useful. You know. There are all the nuts and bolts advices, advice that you can give to musicians. And I say this, so, and I should note, you know, I am, I play music, but I, I'm not a, a musician. So, you know, sort of, I, I, I play, I, you know, I can play the violin, I can play piano, not, not well, but I can play enough to sort of, um, amuse myself. So I, I, I play well enough to know how hard it is to, stand in front of an audience and play uh, music from memory for 45 minutes to an hour. So, <laughs> which is probably useful. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I guess my piece of advice is that um, you should try to enjoy what you're doing. <laughs> you should, okay. you should ignore, no, because I mean, you know, if you, if you try really hard to make kids music your career i i you know i don't know if that's going to su- going going to succeed i mean there are very few people who can do that you know on a full-time basis i mean there are, there are people but you know in a lot of cases there are people who are uh to some extent um a little bit like me who are <laughs> writing about kids music not because that's my job but because uh-huh. that provides uh, distraction and entertainment and uh, lets me tickle some other creative itches. And so I guess, you know, me as the reviewer, I'm interested in, in hearing 
a, a reviewer who you know hears you know 300 CDs or more a year, I'm interested in hearing something different and would rather have a kid's musician try something interesting and fail commercially. That's sort of a um, that is a selfish I like that. I like that actually. That's... wish on my part. But I guess, you know, I think people want to sort of have a career as a kid's musician and I'm I'm not sure that that is always possible. Well, you know, I think it might also be a geographic thing because I, you know, I've been doing this for about 9 years and I haven't had one. I've been busy for all 9 years, but I live in a big city. And I know that it would probably be more of a challenge if I lived in a smaller city, maybe, or a smaller town. Yeah. Do you think that, do you you agree with me? I mean, because I think that most, I mean, do you agree with me that maybe, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but. um, I I think it is hard (laughs) for somebody to break out nationally. I mean, I'm sort of making these yeah. these reviews, expecting that you know somebody in New York City is going to hear something by um, put out from folks in uh, rural California and go, oh, you know, I want to get that CD. I think okay. most people yeah. still, for your CDs, you know, you probably sell your CDs at your gigs, you know, mm-hmm. to That's your true. existing fans or new fans. Um, who hear you play live, or maybe, you know, you get a a good review like in School Library Journal or some someplace like that. And so, um, I think that's hard if you are playing in uh, rural California, where you know you're playing maybe once a week at the local library, and you know, okay, yeah, okay, all all thirty families or fifty families who hear you already have your CD, and it's. You know, you're playing. You're playing to more than 50 families a week, probably. Certainly, you've got more than 50 fans, and it's easier for you to say, "Okay, well, I can sell 500 CDs of this new CD to my fan fans, and you know, I I think I can sell to my fans local, and you know, I think I can probably sell 500 or a thousand to to libraries and fans outside of Chicago." So, I mean, there is some sort of. realistic math going on there that I think yeah. is harder if you don't have a, a, a base of fans who hear you perform live on a consistent basis. I guess there's a lot of things that play into it uh, as far as a kid's musician and the challenges and successes they have in today. But um, anyway, I wanted to say thank you so much for meeting our interviewing um, with me, and I've enjoyed your work. We've uh, I started doing music around the same time that you went um, you went on the internet. So I've seen your work and read your work for many years, and I, again, I appreciate what you do. And thank you so much, Stefan. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me to talk. I enjoyed uh, talking about this, and uh, I look forward to hearing more music from you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.